G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. Major podcast sponsor, NTI, nti.com.au. It's another jam-packed show for you this week. First up, we chat with Amar Singh, the president of an Australia-wide charity called Turbans for Australia, and we hear all about the incredible community work they're doing. Mike has a yarn with well-known Queensland truckie Trevor Warner about the fight for drivers to be properly paid during loading and unloading. Now, Mike's been a busy boy this week, so a little later, he chats with Senator Glenn Stirl about the road transport inquiry and achieving a fair go for all truckies. And in our Something to Talk About segment, our great mate Kermy talks with Craig Lloyd, a Victorian local council CEO who also just happens to be an awesome singer-songwriter. Plus, you'll get to hear Craig's latest recording, a great song about and dedicated to those truckies who've lost their lives in the course of their work. The song's called They Know and it's a ripper. All this, plus the news and more, let's do this thing. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. <laughs> G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. T4A, or Turbans for Australia, are a not-for-profit charity organisation whose aim is to encourage and involve the Sikh community of Australia to help anyone in need regardless of their religion, race or ethnicity. They were front and centre during the bushfires, providing help and support where it was needed, they've given a helping hand to our farmers and they've been active supporting people with needs during COVID. We're joined by Turbans for Australia President Amar Singh. Amar, welcome to On The Road. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. Amar, can you tell us a bit about Turbans for Australia? How did the organisation come into being? I'm a truckie, so driving along Sydney one day, I thought something needs to be done to educate people about Australians with a different background, you know, being turban wearing Sikh. Mm-hmm. I get picked on sometimes and thought, okay, look, let's just start a charity with the aim of educating through charity work, you know, because it's about bonding with people and creating common grounds. And that's how Turbo Australia started from a cab of a truck. Right. And it's been one great thing, mate. Yeah, it certainly has. Now, you've done some incredible community work in recent times. Can you share some of these stories with us? It's been really busy 12 months for us. We went straight from serving people in the bushfires, delivering truckloads of water, water, groceries, hand tools, all the way down to the south coast and north up to Tenderfield. So we've been really busy working along the different coastal areas that were ravaged by the fires. Mm. And then we went straight into COVID. We have been running COVID relief centres in Sydney, Canberra, Wollongong, Gold Coast, Melbourne and Brisbane. And we have been doing thousands of meals. We've done over 100 tonnes of groceries. 
and all of our meals and hampers are 100% free. So anybody that picks up a meal or a hamper from us, they don't have to pay a cent because we work on our donations. So any donation we get goes back into the community and people just get the meals. In Sydney alone, we did about 30,000 meals during COVID. Wow. And they were delivered to people, uh, different charities or homeless groups that were providing meals for people in the park. They couldn't cook anymore due to the COVID. So we actually used to get their orders, have the meals prepared by 2 or 3 o'clock, and then they pick it up from us. Right. So it's just about helping the grassroots charities sustain their communities because a lot of those people didn't have any support before COVID, but COVID made it so much harder with people have no backup support in terms of providing meals and that for needy and homeless people. Yeah. It's been a pleasure doing all this work and meeting different people and traveling right around Australia delivering projects because it's such a great experience. We've been out to Rockhampton after cyclones. We did a hay run a couple of years ago from Sydney to Canamble. You know, we've done grocery drives to different areas in the region because they are the worst affected. Right. In the cities, people get ample amount of donations. In the regional areas, their uh, resources are very limited. Yeah. Not only what people donate financially, but also people who do in-kind donations of goods and services. So we always get in our van and trucks and load them up and take them to the regional areas. That's great. Now, just a, as a little aside here, Am I correct in saying I think I saw you on Family Feud on TV once? Oh, yes, mate, yeah. We were uh, chosen by Channel 10 as the first responders. Yep. So they put us up against the Bondi nurses, a beautiful bunch of girls from Bondi who did tons and tons of people on the beach testing COVID every day, day in, day out. Yeah. It was such a great experience for our team and a good day at TV. We didn't win the big amount, right? but the experience and just the whole momentum of the show and meeting wonderful new people was great. We won, I think, about $3,000 on it, which is still good. Yeah. Because all of you know money goes back to the charity. Absolutely. And really good exposure for Turbans for Australia too. Yeah, definitely. My look, I mean, Channel 10 has been really great in the last year and a half. They have given us interviews and time slots on various shows, including the news and Studio 10. Mm. In fact, we were there uh, two weeks ago promoting the toy drive and uh, we did some Indian dancing there as well. Right, right. Yes, I think I saw a bit of that on uh, on YouTube. Yeah. Now, um, uh, there's something special you've got happening this weekend. This weekend, as always, we like to do something for Christmas. Last year, we were flat chat delivering uh, relief for the bushfire victims in the south coast and north coast of New South Wales. Mm -hmm. But this year, we've decided to do our uh, toy drive run down the south coast because people were suffering last year. I have never seen Australia this bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. driving through any town, the best thing is the scenery. You look around 180 degrees and you're like, wow, this is beautiful. But that was not the case during the bushfires. We saw houses burning, trees burning, you know, power poles down, and people just in a very stale and upset mood because some of those guys actually lost everything they had. Yeah. We were actually taking toys, brand new clothing from Big W and Jeans West, donated via Good360, and also a lot of new toys by Lego and groceries. Wonderful. And you're heading down Bega Eden Way, is that right? Yes, mate, we're going all the way to Eden, and we're doing this Saturday. So if you see some vans and trucks on the road with Turbans for Australia logos on it, mate, you say hello and wave to us. Brilliant. Now, Amar, if anyone listening wanted to help out in some way in regard to this special drive you've got this weekend, what can they do to help? People can definitely help because we're 100% donation-based charity. All of our donations go back into the community. We don't have any paid stuff, so we're volunteers. Yeah. But we're not government funded either. So any money we get from the community helps us put these events together. And we would really appreciate if anybody wants to donate or if you're local in the South Coast, you want to come and give us a hand, get this stuff off the truck. Yeah, welcome to join us. That'd be great. Now, for more information, I guess if they go to your Facebook page. Yeah, they can get in touch uh, via the Facebook or give me a call my number because it's always ringing. Mm -hmm. 
And your email is turbansforaustralia at gmail.com, is that right? That's the one, yeah, turbansforaustralia at gmail.com. It's turbans, not turbo. So all the truck is getting any ideas then. Watching <laughs> right. the wrong emails because it won't come to me. Okay. So turbans for Australia, not turbos for Australia. Yeah, that's it, mate. Anybody that's looking to support us, definitely appreciate the calls. So just to clarify that, it's turbans and then the number four, australia at gmail.com. That's the one. Our guest today has been Amar Singh, President of Turbans for Australia. Amar, thanks for sharing your story with us today and thanks for the incredibly valuable work you do. Thank you, Andy, and thanks for having me on the show, mate. It's been a pleasure. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. I have with me Trevor Warner. Trevor is from up Queensland. Well, we won't hold that against him. How are you, Trevor? How are you going, mate? G'day, Mike. Yeah, good. Had another good week. We survived another six days on the road. <laughs> it's always a plus, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I want to have a quick chat with you about the Fair Work Commission thing that you've been involved in, that latest piece that's been in Big Rigs talking about loading and unloading and how the fight is going to continue. My brief understanding is that Fair Work have said that long-distance drivers aren't entitled to get paid to load and unload the trucks. It's all covered in the award. We've been hearing this for years, mate. What do you reckon? Well, that's what it's turned out to be. We've had since since 1993, we've had case after case of disputes about this. The corporate view of how these trip rates were put together, it's been discussed for the last 30 years. But the flavour of what we're reading, that we're all what we call line haul drivers, which you turn up with your bag, your trailers are already loaded, you check your straps, you make sure it's all roadworthy, do your pre-trip check and jump in the hook up to your trailers and then get going you don't essentially touch the load. Now, if we all did that, we wouldn't have a problem because we could do the work in the legal time frame. We wouldn't be stressed and it'd kind of like be a normal job. Mm. Now, I've done Toll IPEC before, I've done Star Trek, and that's the way that it is. It's a fair call. But what we're finding now is the load managers and the allocators have got wind of how it's worded and they've gone, well, yeah, you know, we can get that long-distance guy to go out to Eastern Creek and then go to Campbelltown and then maybe back to Eastern Creek to get his paperwork. Mm. Then he can head off to Melbourne. So all of a sudden, your 10-hour day has now been blown out to 17 hours. Yeah. So the Fair Work Commission spoke about trip rates and everything's included in that trip rate according to the schedule that they've negotiated. But the trouble is the industry's changed. People have got smarter, they've found legal loopholes, so those schedules no longer apply. And what we were saying was, to use your quote, the pay stops and the day continues. That's right. The day goes on, but the pay doesn't, mate. 
That's right. And what they've basically said is in these trip rates, once the trip's done, it's all over. But the trip actually hasn't been finished. And we're doing these deliveries and we're not getting paid for it for that extra time. Well, the other thing too, I think that needs to be pointed out, mate, is that the kilometre rates were worked out on GPO to GPO. Yes. And there's a big difference between driving to Summerton and bloody Dandenong. Absolutely. And it's the same a difference of driving to Minto to bloody Eastern Creek as well. As I've said and you've quoted me, the day goes on and the pay doesn't. You get breakdowns, you get all sorts of hold-ups on the road, traffic, weather. And it's all right for some fellas to sit back and say, oh, well, I'm towing these dirty great big combinations depot to depot and I'm making good money doing K-rate and it's all all right for them, as you said. The blokes driving direct trucks, for example, who think that they've got it pretty good and say, stuff you to everyone else. We're not all the same, and this is the problem, isn't it? It is. It's such a diverse industry now. And one of the things that I put on social media the other day was if you get, say, someone that runs delivers Coca-Cola around Sydney and maybe runs down to Goulburn or does a bit of regional work, they start at 6 in the morning and they may finish at 9 at night. Well, technically, that is a daytime job. That's normal hours, so there's no shift loading. So they get paid exactly the same kilometre rate as the pool bugger that sleeps during the day, gets up, starts work at 6pm, drives all night, mm. and then has to do his deliveries the following day in the morning. Mm. You've got a 30% shift loading there straight away before any of this loading and unloading comes into play. Yeah. So what they're saying is on the balance of things, the typical long-distance driver might do two or three days a week on day shift, two or three days a week on night shift, so it balances out. Hmm. That kind of works for me, but then we might get two or three weeks of doing a particular job, which we're locked into night shift work, and we're still getting the same K rate as a day shift guy. Yeah. So what's the way forward, mate? They've spent 18 pages telling you to go to Buggery, basically. What happens now? Well, reading through what they've said, they wanted to see a revamp of the agreed distances. So we're going to throw that up onto a spreadsheet mm. and pull out all our logbooks and see what the actual reality is mm. and then do a short video. I've got a guy that should be able to be a cameraman, be able to put something together for me mm. to show what actually happens behind the wheel of the truck and, and in the back on the loading dock at Coles or Woolies. Yeah. We're not ducking across the road and sitting at the coffee shop watching someone else unload our truck. If we're not fully engaged with the unloading services, the truck doesn't get touched. That's right. So they can't deny that we're not engaged. Just because we're not driving the forklift doesn't mean that we're not engaged. We're not actually knocked off. We're not on a lunch break. We're not on a coffee break, not on a smoker. We are right there amongst it all. And all these have even got a sign up. If the driver isn't present, your load will not be touched. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the reality of it is too that the RMS are expecting us to verify that our loads are properly loaded and they're properly strapped and they're properly taken care of, properly secured. Load restraint is a big part of the job and that is the driver's job. How do they think this magically happens? It boggles the mind, the logic behind it. Well, it does. But from the seat of the corporate lawyer with the angry client on the other side saying, my wages bill's too high, where are the loopholes? Yeah. There's a disconnect between the National Heavy Vehicle Law and the modern award. So these lawyers go in, and this is where I use the ratio eight to one. Now, this came from the union. I've spoken to Michael Kane face-to-face. I've spoken to some of the paralegals down in the national office. They understand, we understand what the workload is. But when we go into these negotiations... You've got these guys sitting on the other side of the desk in their $5,000, $10,000 Armani suits 
that wouldn't know a, a load binder from a pogo stick. Yeah. So they're just looking at the black and white of it, and they're using every legal trick in the book to save their client money. And we're being drowned out typically eight, nine to one. That's right. And this is what I've said all along. The difference in the motivations of people are what's causing the problems in our industry. It's not that people can't see the problems, not that people can't see the solutions. It's just that we can't get the people on the same bloody page. That's the problem. That's right. And that was something else that the Fair Work Commission said, that it wasn't a wholesale argument for the industry and they didn't have sufficient evidence to show that it was an industry-wide problem. Mm. Essentially, they said, you're just a pair of winch and truck drivers and you don't know what you're talking about and we're right, you're wrong, go away. Yeah. Well, that'd be a red rag to a ball to me, mate. Oh, absolutely. I was just frothing over it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it brings out this divide and conquer. Yeah. What happened with the RSRT? You know, there's still vicious arguments over that, and yet anybody that can sit back and go, well, what a political masterstroke that was of the LNP. Mm. They went in there and they supported the owner-drivers based on their version of reality. And they helped their mates in big business keep their wages bill down. Mm. And they threw mud at the Labor Party at the same time. So it was a win-win for them. And funnily enough, when you listen to all the Senate inquiries going on at the moment with Senator Stirl and co, Mm. the same arguments come up. Well, we're not getting paid enough. We need a minimum rate. Well, hello. We were here four years ago. Yeah, that's right. It's Groundhog Day, mate. (laughs) It is. Absolutely. Definitely Groundhog Day. Perfect title. Yes. No, it's unreal. That's it. All right, so we'll wrap that one up. I'll just get you to comment on one other thing while I've got you on the phone for a few minutes. The agreement that's been done between the TWU and Coles, mate, does that make your blood boil in the same way it makes mine? Well, it actually does because I, I contacted some of the prime contractors with Coles over an issue recently and both of them said, well, yes, we've got the same problem. And they asked me who I was, and I said, look, I'm I'm a nobody, but I've been doing this work for 15 years, and this problem has not changed in 15 years. Yeah, We've got to find a solution for it. And even two weeks ago, the problem's still there. So the TWU can say all they like, but if they can get Coles to shine a light on the problem, Mm. the door's open, and the TWU's got their foot in the door, so at least there's some hope of some dialogue going on about this is the problem, and the chain of responsibility now is huge. I see another company recently facing $1.5 million worth of fines, K&S, Raiders. Yeah, oh, yeah, I saw something about that, yeah. Now, what's going on with Coles? I believe that if I brought all my logbooks down to a Coles shareholders meeting and a board of directors meeting, mm. they would be running for cover. They'd be ducking and diving all over the place mm. because this problem's been there for 15 years and nobody wants to address it. Well, you know, a $1.5 million fine or God forbid we have a, an accident and somebody gets killed and all of a sudden manslaughter charges are going to be laid on the board of directors of Coles yeah. because of their lack of action. And I know RMS are fully aware of this problem. Yeah. A couple of drivers I spoke to told me they made phone calls, but nothing changes. It's up to us professional drivers to do the job as legally as we possibly can and as safely as we can, but on the terms and conditions of Coles. Once again, mate, the motivations are the issue. Yes, that's right. And the worst part about it, the most galling part about it is take a kilo of bananas or a kilo of tomatoes, banana and tomato season at the moment in North Queensland, they can fluctuate the price a dollar from day to day. Mm. 
as drivers and even as operators, we only want one half of one cent of that price fluctuation to be able to pay, okay, this driver's fatigued. When he gets to Brisbane, he can jump out of the truck and we'll pay a casual guy to come in and get in the truck. One half of one cent, that's all it is. And that's that's cut me to the bottom line too much. Yeah. Can't do it. Let's keep fighting the good fight. Trev, and you name a phone number, mate. If anything happens, please let me know and I'll keep up with what's going on. Thanks, mate. I'll do that. The gloves are always on when it comes to this type of thing. <laughs> no, we've got to keep fighting. I've been talking with Trevor Warner, also known as The Driver's Advocate. You can find him there, The Driver's Advocate, on Facebook. Trevor's the Queensland member for the National Road Freighters Association. Thanks very much for being on the show with us today, Trev. Thanks, Mike. Stay tuned, guys. Mike chats with Senator Glenn Stirl right after this. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, find out how Seeing Machines Guardian can safeguard your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers. Visit www.seeingmachines.com Senator Glenn Stirl is running the road transport inquiry at the moment. Can I just ask you, mate, how did you feel when you heard Yogi Kendall talking the other day saying he'd be quite happy to walk away? Mate, thanks for having me on, Mike. How startling is that? How alarming is that? Mm. Says it all, doesn't it, mate? And then when he started talking about he's got one of the old holes in the wall, as we put it, Mm. and he's a bit bigger than me. Mate, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't like to be doing it. Well, mate, I'm way past it, and I'm a bit smaller than Yogi. Mm. And I did say, mate, I've said many times, Geez, what I would have given to be able to stand up taking my pants off in the cab. Yeah. And you know what I mean by that. Oh, I do, indeed. I do. And as you get older, imagine crawling through that. And yeah, I think that says it all, mate. And when he said his son doesn't want to do it, he wants to do everything else, or mm. science or something like that. Scary stuff, mate. You're hearing some very interesting evidence, mate. I've had the pleasure of listening to a lot of it. I think you're getting a pretty good picture out there that everything isn't as rosy as some would have you believe. Well, when I first set up to do this, Mike, and, and it wasn't me, it was the industry that decided they wanted to do this, and I ably backed them in, is that we wanted to shine a lot of bright lights into a lot of dark corners. And, mate, for your listeners here, Mike, I read your article on Big Rigs on Friday on the aeroplane, I think it was, when you talk about uh, Groundhog Day. Mm. I've copied it to myself with the full intention of giving you a buzz next week. <laughs> you beat me to it. But it says it all, mate. Here we go. Same problems. No one's doing a thing to go out and try and fix it. When I say no one, I don't mean the people in the industry, mate. I mean we're not getting any support from government. We're not getting any support along the supply chain, mate. It's exactly what we've been talking about. So, yes, some good evidence, mate. All right. So what I've actually rung you about today is to get a comment from you about the recent Fair Work Commission ruling in response to Trevor Warner and Brenda McKay's application that they made. Mm. First things first, mate, I, I just looked. There were several people who were filing in favour of the application, Trev Warner, Brenda McKay, Roberto Dodds, Russell Watty, and Glenn Castanelli. Now, I know Trevor and Glenn personally. I mean, they're both staunch advocates for the industry, and, and Trevor has appeared before you in Brisbane, as I'm sure you remember. He has, yep. The startling thing I find, mate, what Trevor's talking about is getting long-distance drivers paid for all the work they do loading and unloading trucks, 
And I can't see an issue with that. In fact, it makes sense to me, and my position on this is well known. The people that are against or fold in opposition to the application are the ones that surprised me. The National Road Transport Association, NatRoad, Australia Road Transport Industrial Organisation, the South Australian Road Transport Association, and the Transport Workers Union are against blokes getting paid for what they do. I know that you've had an affiliation with the union in the past and you're an advocate for the union, mate, but it's pretty hard to justify that position, isn't it? Mike, look, I've read the decision. I've spoke with Trevor. I talked to Trevor up in Queensland, caught up with him a couple of weeks ago, Mm. and good on Trevor. I personally know Trevor and Glyn, as you do, and I support what they do. I haven't had the ability to talk to RTO, the TWU, Nat Roads or the National Road Freighters Association, Mm. I would expect that SARTA would be out there probably opposing it. I'm thinking maybe there's a grand plan. Mm. So before I chop anyone's toes off, I'd just say, geez, I'd like to talk to them, Mm. but I've got to say this, mate, and you know me, Mike, I fully support and endorse the work that Trevor and Co and Glyn and, and others have done. And you know, mate, with me, I'm glued to the hip of a lot of truck drivers here. Yeah. We need to be paid for every single bloody minute we work. And I have never hidden this, mate. Yeah. When you start talking about kilometre rates, it is not fair. I've had many conversations with operators, good people, small and large, who pay kilometre and then they pay a bit of alley on top. Yeah. The truth of the matter is it's far easier to exploit our drivers when you chuck a kilometre rate because there's no way known, mate. That I will never agree that the kilometre rate will match the time and a half, the double time, the waiting time, washing the truck, changing tyres, yeah. fueling up and all that sort of stuff. So I would like to give the opponents an opportunity to tell me what they're thinking, mm. and that's fine. Me, I'm not for moving, mate. Kilometre rates are bullshit this day and age. All right? Pretty simple, <laughs> mate. You're not going to get an argument out of me, mate. I'll tell you what, I've moved closer to your side of the fence ever since you and I started talking seriously, mate. It's scary, really. <laughs> I even had to agree with Sally McManus the other day, mate. There's, there's got to be something in my water. Well, no, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is, Mike. You and I have had this conversation on podcasts before. Mm. When all is said and done, we're truck drivers. We do it because we love the industry. Yeah. All we want to do is be paid for the effort we put in, yeah. get home safely to our kids and our family each week, be respected, and I don't think that's unfair, mate. No, neither do I. I just find it incredible with this document that I've got here in front of me. They've spent about 18 pages yeah. deciding that it's just a bunch of whinge and truck drivers. I'm disgusted, to be honest with you, Mike. Absolutely disgusted in, in, in what I read, mate. Well, you know, they've said here, we do not consider, and I'll quote them, we do not consider the variations sought and the submissions in support of the applications have demonstrated that they are necessary to meet the modern awards objective, nor do we accept that they are otherwise necessary to correct any ambiguity or uncertainty in the LDO award. So that's the award that a lot of us work under, the Long Distance Award. Yep. And I often wonder if some of these lawyers would be happy to sit in the line at the supermarket for about four hours waiting to do their shopping and not receive any compensation for the time they waited. It just blows my mind, the logic that they've got going here. Hey, Mike, I'll throw a curveball. Imagine some of these overpaid silks and lawyers mm. 
that, you know, every time you put the clock on when some poor bastard has got their backside squeezing, mm. when they want the advice from the lawyer, what do I do next? These people, mate, don't miss a minute. No, I know. Let alone three, four hours waiting in the DC. Yep. These people charge and overcharge by the minute and even sometimes down to the second, plus so many dollars per page for photocopying. It's just hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. It just gets me riled up even more, mate. I'm just interested to see it's on JadeNet now, so people can go there and they can read the ruling for themselves. Sure. I'm actually speechless by it. I was talking to Trevor about earlier this afternoon, as I said, and Trevor's normally a fairly even-tempered person. He is. And I think I heard him swear, which is... Anyway, there you go. <laughs> well, I think what I like about Trevor, not only his enthusiasm and his vigour, but he's been on both sides of the fence more than once or twice. He has. And, you know, that sort of experience. And when he came to me in, in Brisbane and came in front of the committee, Trevor made it very clear. He'd gone from trucking to management back to trucking. Yeah. You can't knock that experience. No. And, you know, and when people like that speak, well, crikey, the worst thing we could do is sit back and listen and think, you know what, these guys do know a lot more. Mm. The problem that we have, and, and Mike, I don't think I get too many arguments on this, mate, is when we get pointy heads with the suit and tie, who speak up for the industry and the buggers have never even driven a wheelbarrow, mate. Yeah. Probably never pushed a wheelbarrow for more than three hours, let alone no. road trains, B-doubles, triples and everything else and all the crappy bits that go with it and all the good bits. Well, that, well mate, it's, it's a lifestyle, isn't it? Yeah. That's why we did Mate, we all did it, not that we were too silly to be engineers or lawyers or doctors. We did it because we couldn't wait to get out of school and start working with our hands. Most of us inherited from our fathers or our uncles or our grandfathers. It's a fantastic life. But by God, it does make you sit back and you think the last 12 months, mate, when we've actually had politicians calling us the essential workers. And I did say this, I won't mention any names, but I did say this to some senior leaders in the industry who've still got the steering wheel in their hands. Yeah. Lap it up while we can, because when this is all over, we'll be back down to the bottom of the supply chain. We'll be back down as the bottom feeders. Yeah. So unfortunately, I hope I'm proved wrong, mate. I really do. Well, so do I, but you and I are so often right these days, it's quite scary, so... Well, you know what, mate? We might, it might even lead us to a win. A good win pretty soon. <laughs> but I think on this one, Mike, I think look, the most important thing, mate, we got to talk about it. Mm. I really love the opportunity to have seasoned veterans and experienced drivers, which we've been hearing, standing up and talking about it. Mm. We, we can't keep getting shoved down the back of the bus while we have associations and voices for our industry saying it's all good. Yep. If it was all good, mate, we wouldn't be, you and I wouldn't be having this conversation. That's right. We'd probably be thinking, how can we timeshare a magnificent union on the Gold Coast or somewhere else, mate, because we've made too much money and we need a tax write-off. <laughs> Sorry, mate, I'm tongue-in-cheek. Tongue very, cheek, very firmly in cheek. Now, on to lighter stuff, mate, I hate to finish a conversation on something very serious like this. I was talking to Heather Jones, mate, and she's invited me up there to wear a pink shirt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm there. I'm going to make sure I'm at the Shell Roadhouse there out of Crafton where you can't pass. Are you tough enough? I was. Mate, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do my best to get over there sometime the next year and uh, Ripper. I'll have a bit of a steer of that big pink Mac and put a pink shirt on and just see how it I've never been up there, mate. I'm tearing at the bit to get up there and have a look. I've got to tell you, I'm warning you, Mike, I'll be hiding there in Oscar. I'll pop out from behind a Bowser or something just to see you in that pink shirt. I'll even wear mine, mate. Will you? There you go. It's got to be done, mate. Heather does a fantastic job. It's the least we can do to support her, mate. I'll tell you, she does a great job, doesn't she? And old mate... uh... She does. Old mate uh, Murray Lay over at MLG, I was talking to him the other day. He's got a pretty big operation there. Have you seen that? 
No, I haven't, mate. I'd like to. I'd I'll tell you fill what. Fill me in. You want to go and have a look, mate? He's got one of the largest privately owned fleets of mining trucks and everything in the country over there at MLG based in Kalgoorlie. It's in your line of country, mate. I'm surprised. Well, there you go, mate. See, now you just got me, mate. You you see, you've just just (laughs) chucked the curveball at me. I haven't been to Kalgoorlie for, oh, mate, probably five, six, seven, eight years. Keep going. We're doing a bit in the Kimberley. You've missed out. You've missed out. I thought I was being clever, renewing myself with my old run between Perth and Kananara, but you've just... No, no. Damn well taking me legs out there, mate. Bloody oh, beauty. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's the challenge. Honestly, I didn't know anything about Murray. He's been sitting there doing his own thing, and I just happened to encounter him one day and got to talking, and he sent me some pictures of some of his gear and told me a funny story too. You'll have to listen to the last show to hear it though, mate. Well, I haven't listened to that, but I'll tell you what, mate, is the challenge, because if you get your backside over here, I'm, as I said to you, mate, I'm looking forward to, to number one, mm. I don't want to break the ice, but I'm uh, looking forward to hearing you in front of the committee in February, in, I think it's February in Sydney mm. next year, but more so seeing you in that pink shirt catch up, and I might even really drag you down to my level, mate, I might even buy you a beer once uh, you finish doing it. Can we be seen in public together, Glenn? Really? I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind. Mate, there's many people wanting to kill me, at least you haven't wanted to kill me. <laughs> No, no, I'm not quite that extreme. Not yet, anyway. So we'll meet in the middle because that's the best place for us to meet, mate, and uh, we'll have a shout. Looking forward to it, Mike. All the best, mate. You're doing a great job with that uh, podcast, too, on the road, mate. Love hearing it, mate. Keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Uh, happy, safe Christmas and holiday and uh, New Year period for yourself, family, and all your listeners, mate, and can't wait to roll the sleeves up, kick off next year. And you know what we're going to do, mate? We're going to develop a bloody good report and we're going to absolutely push it. Some people will want it to sit in the bookshelf and collect dust, mate. I ain't going to let that happen while I'm in there. We're going to have a good bash at it, all right? Appreciate your work, Glenn. Thanks for being with us. Take care. Take care, Mike. All the best, mate. Bye-bye then. Just a quick word about our sponsors. Go to our webpage, www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au and you can see who the friends of the show are. And if their products are something that you are interested in or something that you may need, please support them because they support us and they bring our show to you. Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. Mike, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It sure is, mate. It sure is. We've actually had snow in some parts of Australia very recently. Some people have been fantasising about a white Christmas. I don't know if that's a chance or not, but anyway. Yeah, certainly not going to happen in Queensland, that's for sure. No. Mate, on the 29th of November, the inaugural WA Macmaster and Truck Show was held at Quarry Farm, celebrating over 100 years of Mac in Australia. I believe it was a biggie, mate. Mate, it was absolutely huge. And our old mate Yogi Kendall was there for the whole thing. Of course. And I'm fairly sure he was pretty impressed. I'll tell you what, there's some pretty good-looking trucks on the photographs there too, if you have a bit of a look. Yeah. They raised a little bit of money. About 3,000 people attended, 140 trucks on display. Mostly Macs, of course, of course, because it is a Mac Buster. Yep. I, how could you turn up to a Mac Buster in something other than a Mac? I don't know. <laughs> You'd be asking for it, wouldn't you? The dogs would be barking, you know. Like turning up to a Harley show on a Suzuki. Yeah, <laughs> something you just don't do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, but apparently a great day was had by all. More power to them. Brilliant. And made a troublemaking tradie in the Bankstown area in Sydney was caught on dash cam cutting off a fully loaded B-double and generally being a pest. <laughs> he was, mate. Never ceases to amaze me, you know. 
that people are they're in that much of a hurry they need to cut you off. Yeah. And then when you vent your frustration at them by you know, giving them a toot or flashing your lights, they love to stick the brakes on. <laughs> Yeah, and try and bring it or stand to in that much of a hurry, but they've got time to waste just to muck you around and you know, maybe give you the odd hand gesture. Oh, yeah. But the video is there to be seen on uh, bigrigs.com.au. It's well worth a look. I've got a few of those videos myself. I've seen them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dear mate, seriously. A little bit like little dog syndrome, isn't it, really? It is, it is, it is. I mean, what brain-dead person stands on the brakes in front of a fully loaded truck? I mean, really. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, you just can't fix stupid, mate. You can't even fix that with duct tape. No, that's it. Yeah. Mike, the NHVR is reviewing the National Heavy Vehicle Inspection Manual mm. and they're giving truckies the opportunity to provide feedback on the revised draft. They are. And this is a clear-cut situation where you'll have blokes will sit back and they'll say, oh, no, someone else will do that. And if you don't put your feedback in, yep. then you know nothing ever changes. You don't get to sit back and bitch about it later on. Yeah. Consultation opened on the 7th of December. You can put your feedback in until the 29th of January on the NHVIM feedback form. Mm. Go and have a look. Go to the website. Go to the NHVR's website. The draft proposal and everything is all there. If you go to the article on Big Rigs, you can just click on the link. It's not even that hard to find. Spend 10 minutes. Tell them what you think because if you don't tell them what they what you think, if you don't tell them what you think, then people who don't know what you think will tell them and we'll have to deal with the consequences later on. So, Can you run that past me again? I'm not sure I quite got that. If you don't think that they don't think that you don't think. That... <laughs> what was it? What, all right. Hmm. It's like this. Yes. If you don't put your submission in yes. and tell the NHVR what you think about what it is that they're doing, yep. then the people that don't know how to think and don't know what we do will be the ones that tell them what they think. <laughs> uh, good. Thank you for that. Put your submission in. Yeah, That's the short story. Clear as mud. I'm done now. Good. I'm done. Mate, and we've got to keep it quick this week because we've got so much on the show, but mm. we've got some warm and fuzzy news. Uh, Victorian truckie, or should I say Santa, who I know you don't believe in, yes. turned up in a Peterbilt 379 to surprise a little four-year-old girl and her dad with an unexpected gift. You just can't say how much pleasure it gives the kids to see big trucks and all this sort of stuff, you know. Yeah. I mean, you can't call yourself a truckie if you don't blow the horn when the kid arm pumps you. Absolutely. I don't care who you are, yep. you know. So... Now, we've got to share this around, mate. This has got to be seen mm. because this little girl had a day made by what's happened there with, you know, with the little puppy thing there and all the rest of it. And it's the little things like this that do more to promote the good work that we do in this industry yep. than a lot of other stuff. And I, you know, I just applaud the guy that did it. I really do. Yeah. And, you know, Spirit, the uh, German Shepherd toy, has gone to a good home, I think. I think so too. Yep. God bless him. What a great thing. That's great PR. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. Yeah. Can I just chuck one unsolicited comment in? Sure. Mate, I've been trolling around on Facebook as I usually do, and the police apprehended a fellow at Wagga Wagga in a little rigid tray truck with next to no rubber on the tyres and all this. His licence was suspended until 2061, right? Okay. They've arrested this bloke. They've taken him away with drugs in his system and all the rest of it. He's been refused bail. But how the hell do you get a 40-year license suspension? What do you have to do to do that? <laughs> I've never heard of it. Neither had I. Mm. But the point of it is, 
I mean, we all watch these shows on telly, you know, like the Highway Patrol and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You see this thing and you sort of think to yourself, there is a guy that should never, ever, ever be anywhere near a vehicle again. And the trouble with it is you know because he doesn't care. Yeah. He's going to be out there driving again, and there's not much we can do about it. Oh, I don't know what he's done, but I hope I never get to meet him on the road, that's for sure. So, same, same, mm. same, same. I'd like to know what our listeners think we should do about stuff like that. Yeah, good call. That'll be a question for taking it to the streets, I reckon, mate. I think it might. What do we do about these people? Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Anyway, that's me. I'm done. Friday. All right, mate. Well, you better get on with it. Go and jingle your bells and do whatever it is you do. <laughs> And we'll uh, catch up with you later. Good on you, mate. See ya. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. Hey, everybody. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcast on the Australian Big Rigs Roadshow. And when that's done, pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime... Hi everybody, it's Kermie here and I've got Craig Lloyd on the phone. Now Craig has written a song called They Know. Craig, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? Good, mate. Good, good, good. Now, this song They Know is about fallen truckies. It is. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it and how it came into being? Yeah, so it's a tribute to all truck drivers, really, but particularly for those that have given up their lives, really, to serve us and to keep the economy and, and our country running. And came about, uh, I live out in Alexandra in country Victoria, and that's where we have the Victorian Truck Drivers Memorial. Right. And, yeah, got involved there in organising the events and being part of the committee there and just hearing the stories of loss from the families at the annual memorial service and, and seeing what these truck drivers go through, not just those that have lost their lives, but the toll of these really long hours of sitting in a truck does, you know, the impacts on your body and on your family life and everything else. Um, I just wanted to capture that in a song as a thank you to them. Right, okay. I must admit, it's a beautiful song. I played it when I went for a walk this morning and I think I replayed it about four times and it just grew and grew on me. It's beautifully written and beautifully produced, I must say. Where did you produce it? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, Damien Caffarella, very well-known producer in the country world, produced it for me down in Melbourne. And I wrote the majority of the lyrics, pretty much all the lyrics, and then worked up the melody and played around with the lyrics with David Carter from Carter and Carter. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, very well-known, particularly yes, in, in country circles. They live down that way too, don't they? Yes, they do. Yeah, they're not far from me. And this year they've become very good friends and have been supporting me on my musical journey as well, which has been really good. Right. Now you're a professional muso? I have a day job as well. <laughs> <laughs> like most musos to survive. Yes, I do. But yes, releasing singles now and starting to come out of lockdown, hoping to get out and perform more live being new to performing, uh, it's actually very hard to break into festivals and events, but um, that's my focus for the next 12 months is to get in and do some more of those. I was fortunate enough early this year, although it seems much longer ago, to go up to Tamworth and graduated from the Country Music Academy in Tamworth. Learned so much about life, performance and everything else, and then unfortunately the lockdowns started pretty quickly after that, so I'm really keen to put all those new skills into practice. Right, so this is, well, hopefully a change in career direction for you. Oh, look, I'll always have my day job. It is a full-time job. I'm the CEO of one of the biggest councils in Melbourne. Oh, okay. 
So that keeps me pretty busy. But outside of that job, music's so important to me and really looking to get more of my music out there and get to perform it live as well. So I'm guessing here, but you're, well, I'm trying not to ask you how old you are, but you're a mature age music would be professional, full time, part time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm 46. Okay. Um, I only came to the music industry really only about two years ago kind of by mistake really i've always been singing but never publicly and just threw myself a bit of a challenge and started doing some of those open mic things at a local pub and that went very well and then i had the opportunity to meet with lynn botel another big name in country circles a multiple gold guitar winner incredible lady i know lynn yeah i went to see one of her shows close to home and we got talking sent her a demo of me singing and went on from there and there got into the country music academy and it's really taken off since then Right. Have you written any other songs? Yeah, I have. My debut one was out earlier on in the year. And that's called? One Last Time was that one. And that actually got to number one in the APRA regional chart. So I was astounded by that. Terrific. And I've written a number of others. And we're going back into the studio, hopefully in February, to record my first EP. So, yeah, really excited about that. Oh, terrific. And meantime, we have They Know, which, as I said earlier, is a beautifully written piece of work. It really pulls at the heartstrings. To me, when I listen to it, it offered secure to the families, for want of a better description for anyone that's been in that position. I found it a very comforting song to listen to. Yeah, look, it came out of me very quickly, but then I toiled over and over and over. I just wanted to make sure that I pitched it right and I wasn't going to offend families and, and friends who'd, who'd lost someone, but wanted at the same time to tell the story and do a good job of that. So far, the feedback has been very positive. Yeah, look, it's brilliant. Let's let our listeners have a listen to it. They can get it on iTunes or Spotify. Yeah, all the normal platforms. or can get it directly from my website, which is craigloyd.com.au. Terrific. Craig Lloyd, thank you very much. We really appreciate the time, mate. Good luck with your future musical career and keep the council ticking over meantime. Thanks for the opportunity. Great to talk to you. We'll play it now. Craig Lloyd, they know... the family all agreed it was the right thing to do to honor his lasting memory they lost him in the fall another victim of the road another tragedy left them all alone but they know the diesel ran through his blood and grease stained his hand Driving an 87 Kenwood Across this big white land His passion was for trucking But his family always knew His heart was with them His love for them was true Her name went on the wall last year The words say it clear Reflected in their eyes As they hold each other near She meant so much to all of them And they knew she loved the road In the end What she loved took its toll They know the diesel ran through her blood And green 
stained her hands Driving a ninety-seven Kenwood Across this big white land Her passion was for trucking But her family always knew Her heart was with them Her love for them was true brings us to the end of another On The Road show. We hope you enjoyed it. On The Road is brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, leading the way with specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks, and industry advocacy for more than 45 years. For all your transport insurance needs, visit the website at nti.com.au. For more On The Road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions, or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode On The Road. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be in 100% agreement with the views and opinions of our guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions. 